0: Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Well, good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Isn't the Lord good? Say this with me. I know God is good. good. Say it like you mean it. I I know God is good. And I know His Word is truth amen not true but truth Jesus said in John 17 father thy word is truth I don't know about you but when I found that scripture as a teenager it was just such a peace to me like if I can find it in the bible I can take it to the bank yeah. Jesus said father thy word yeah. is truth wow what a, what a deal I know we live in an America today where we don't much believe in absolute truth anymore but this missionary still believes in absolute truth and if I can find it in the word then uh, it's absolute truth thank god thank god thank god well you can be seated praise the lord what a delight it is to be at heritage it's always always a delight to be here with you guys and to be with pastor art and joanne and and uh, the ministry here and we've been long 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 time friends and you guys are partners with our ministry and help send us around the world uh and uh, we're just excited about the the opportunity any any time we get to be here And whenever we were here with you guys in july then uh, pastor art called as soon as we got back home pastor art called us and he said that he said you left an apostolic uh, uh, deposit in the church and the people were blessed and he said i I need you to come back and he said i want you to come back soon like no no later in october and he said then again in january we'll plan a four-day meeting and and, uh, so i said "Well, hey i'm delighted to do that it's always a pleasure to be here And, and again we love them and appreciate them and i know they're very busy today and not able to be in in service and uh, we're actually staying over tomorrow, so we can see them and visit with them. And so, uh, praise the Lord! We're just having a mutual uh, love fest. Amen. <laughs> praise the Lord! So, uh, so we're excited about what God's doing. So, uh, uh, there are products out there outside in the little tent area, and there's books, and there's uh, uh, DVDs and CDs and and uh, albums and singles and all kind of things out there. and and uh, this, this one on faith, the basics of faith is one of my very favorite because I had gone to a church that I go to every year in Florida and, uh, and several years ago and the pastor, uh, he and I were talking and, and I said, my secretary told me you want me to minister on spiritual authority while, while I'm here because that's something that people like me to do everywhere I go and I'm kind of known for it around the world and have to live by it or get killed. Uh, but uh, uh, he said, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be super. And I said, okay, we'll do that. And then he came to me a little bit later, and he said, you know, Terry, I just want you to, never mind that. He said, just preach whatever the Holy Ghost puts on your heart, whatever you want to preach. I said, really? Really? I can just preach what I want to? I can just preach what the Holy Ghost tells me to do? And he said, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's fine. And so I said, then I'm preaching on faith. And, uh, and so I taught for, I don't know, t- two or three days uh, on the basics of faith. And, and, it was, and I've, I've preached on faith for 52 years. I mean, I've preached on faith forever and love faith but yet this session uh is my favorite because the whole time i was preaching it ed it was like the holy ghost was showing me new stuff and so while i was preaching i'm thinking to myself i need to take notes i I need need to get this i need to get the cd of this this this, i didn't know i knew that you know this is this is good and uh so uh, i really enjoy that that particular series this is not audio so don't go out there and buy it and think you just stick it in your car this is video A spiritual authority video, and it's five hours, five sixty-minute sessions on of spiritual authority. Then this one is the same thing, only not the same thing. It's more because there's eleven CDs in here. But this is audio; you can grab this and listen to it audio. But the other one's video, so don't don't confuse that and think you think you're getting something you're not. So this is a video. This is audio, and there's eleven CDs in here, and then there's five hours on here. And I preached this at Joseph Prince's Church in Singapore a number of years ago. Setting your course is one of the finest uh, things that as a Christian you need to learn because I have literally gone into hospitals over many years, doing this for 52 years, and, I, and, I, and so I know that other ministers have done the same thing. You go into a hospital to pray for somebody and uh, they're dying or whatever and they've called you to come pray or their relatives have called you to come pray and I have literally gone into their room and reached over to lay my hand on them to pray for them and the Spirit of God would speak to me and say, don't pray for them, they're going to die. And I hate that. I mean, I just, you know, I just kind of stop mid, you know, and so then I just pray some mumbo jumbo charismaniac prayer. Oh, Lord, bless them and bless the doctors and give them wisdom. And, you know, it's just a dumb little prayer that I know isn't going to do any good because God has said to me, don't pray for them. They're going to die because they've already set their course. And once somebody sets their course, then many times, not every time, but many times, no one can change it but them. You know, they've set a course. You, you, you set a course by who you marry, don't you? Don't you? You marry somebody and your course, you know? And uh, you set a course by where you go to church. Amen. Makes a big difference where you go to church. And you set a course by... Uh, so many factors and so many things in your life where you you establish or set a goal i've had guys come say to me "Brother terry my, my my granddad died at age 40 with heart attack my my dad died at 40 and with heart trouble I, I know i'll never see my 40th birthday well they, they've they set a course they've set a course that nobody can change with them i mean oral roberts couldn't change it and Coleman can't change it and Pastor Art can't change it, I can't change it. They've set a course. I've had ladies tell me, my mother died of breast cancer, my grandmother died of breast cancer, I know that's how I'm going to go. Well, they've set a course that they need to change. So setting your course is really a vital uh, series or message that uh, has helped lots of people literally all over the world. Like I said, I preached it in Singapore, and, and I preached it in a lot of places around the world. And then I've got a book, and my old original book, More Than Conquerors, and then my wife Jackie's book, Supernatural Childbirth. Jackie's in heaven today, but uh, she's still ministering through this tremendous book. And they're a blessing to you. And Kenneth Copeland wrote the foreword to for my book, and, and Oral Roberts, and Pat Boone, and John Osteen, a lot of people wrote about it. And it'll help you and bless you. And it's got that story that Ed was talking about uh, about whenever I was a missionary living in Mexico, 24 years old, and I picked up a hitchhiker, and he, he <clears throat> had escaped from prison, and he had a gun, and he reached over and shoved it in my ribs while I'm driving, and he grabbed my collar like that, and he screamed at me and said, I'm going to kill you. Only this is all in Spanish. "Debo voy and. uh And and I said to him, I'm a man of God and I've got authority over you in the name of Jesus and you can't kill me, which goes back to spiritual authority. Amen. And uh, he said, I said, I'm going to kill you. And I said, I said, I'm a man of God and got authority over you in the name of Jesus. You can't kill me. And so he ended up shooting at me five times uh, at at point blank range. I mean, uh, I mean, this close, you know, and uh, all five bullets didn't hit me. Uh, all five bullets did hit me. Now, Pastor Ed said a while ago, he said, he said he was shot five times. No, 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 I was shot at five times, but I wasn't <laughs> shot. And, uh, and then God's blessed us and kept us alive uh, uh, around the world. The devil's tried to kill me all over the world. And uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I've been shot at in numbers of places. I, I was down in, uh, I guess Renee and I were preaching in Mexico City a few years ago, and I was sitting at the pastor's desk before I went out to preach, and I was just studying for, my, for, for the service that night. So I wasn't paying much attention to what they were talking about, Jackie and the pastor and his wife. I mean, excuse me, Renee and, and the pastor and his wife. And, uh, and so uh, the pastor's wife came over to me and she said, Brother Terry, how many times was it you were, you, you, you were shot at? And, uh, and I said, uh, I said uh, uh, five times, or three times, I said, three times. And she said, what? And I said, yeah, three times. She said, I thought you were shot at five times. She was all disappointed. And I said, oh, you're talking about the hitchhiker story, right? She said, yeah, "Yeah, five times. I said, he shot at me five times. I said, I was thinking about how many times in total around the world, and it's been three different locations, three different places I've been shot at. And so that's what I was thinking. But um, uh, anyway, spiritual authority is something we need to get a hold of. And in this book, More Than Conquerors has got that story, and then this this has got that story in it, uh, spiritual authority. Because in this day of school shootings and police shootings and, and stadium shootings and, and mall shootings and store shootings and, and street shootings and drive-by shootings and all that stuff, if you've got somebody that, that's vulnerable to that or in those kind of places, you need to get them that book. And just the first chapter is called Hitchhiker, and uh, it, it can save their life to, get, to teach them that... Uh, 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 that's not the final authority, that the Word of God is the final authority. The name of Jesus is the final authority. So those things will bless you and help you. And there's a series of missions out there that's real special to my heart and to God's heart. Missions, I don't know if you know this or not, but missions is God's favorite subject. <laughs> it really is. Because he actually sent Jesus for missions. right? He, he so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. So it's God's favorite subject. It's the, it's the reason for the church. That's right. It's why the church is here. And uh, we need to be about the master's business. Amen. Amen. So anyway, those things are all there to help you and they'll bless you. They'll minister to you. And uh, you just uh, get a hold of them and, and uh, uh, meditate on them. And, and, and I've always said this about our book and tape and table and our product table that there's no, there's no theory back there. There's not anything back there that I think might work. It's 52 years of third world missionary evangelism that I know for a fact it works. Amen. And so Renee, come on up and bless the people, greet the people, and um, and then I'll come back and minister, and we'll just have a good good time today. <laughs> and well, welcome the people online as well. So uh, I don't yes. know who's watching where, but uh, we want to minister to you today as well.
1: Well, I'm just honored that we're all in church. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Aren't you glad to be here? I grew up um, Pentecostal, and my pastor said, Well, church is better than the best jailhouse in town. You know? And I just always thought it was so wonderful. As the Scriptures say, David said in Psalms, I was glad yes. when they said unto me, Let's go to church. You know, He said, Let us go into the house of the Lord. In today's vernacular, it would be like, You know let's go to church today. And he'd say an affirmative, very excitedly, yes. <laughs> I was glad when somebody said to me, let's go to church. And, uh, you know, teach your family, your, ch- your teenagers, your little children, uh, don't make it an obligation, make it an event. Make it something that's happy. For everybody to come to the house of God because this is life or death, really. The seriousness of what we do, the gravity of preaching the gospel, singing and worshiping before the Lord, and the everything that we do in here, the prayers that we pray for the world and for family and friends, these are all eternal things. You know, we handle the most sacred things on the planet. And we don't need to teach it, uh, treat it in an immature emotional way. That it's all about our entertainment. You know, when you're emotionally fragile, you know, mentally weak-minded, then then everything is about how you feel. But when it's not about how you feel, and you have a mature soul, then you learn to treat things of real value. Um, hand me my Bible, darling. I just want to give you one verse. Um, I have, I have uh, endorsement from the pastor to say whatever I want to. So, but, you know, it's not, I'm not here to entertain you. You know, I'm, I, I hope you like me, but if you don't, that's okay. That's between you and Jesus. You know, I have to do the same thing for you. I mean, you know, your flesh, everything is, you know, the flesh is the flesh. Don't put anybody behind this pulpit on a pedestal, because we all fight the same garbage you do. You know, and there's only three kinds of sin, three categories the Bible talks about. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Everybody deals with it. If you've got a body, you deal with that. And so nobody's exempt from the battle. Everybody has to deal with the battle. So because we stand behind a pulpit and we have a microphone, doesn't mean we're any more holy than you are. Because everybody deals with stuff. We deal with the, the thoughts the enemy tries to bring. We deal with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all of those things. It is a daily battle to discipline and mature yourself to be more like Jesus. And you can win that battle. And you can win the attack of the enemy if you're willing to change. <laughs> You know, I had a gentleman in my church years ago. My first husband and I pastored for nearly forty years, and uh, this gentleman came in our office one day. Longtime church member had had been on, uh, one of our deacons, and really, you know, I felt like loved God, loved the church, and everything. And he got really upset one day and came back and told my husband in the in the in his office. He said, "He said, Pastor, you're 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 preaching like you want me to change." <laughs> and I went. Well, duh, what do you think you're here for, you know? Why do you think we, we serve God anyway? I mean, look at this. this. This Bible is all about what God thinks about your life. It's just full of thoughts about how God sees your life. But I wanted you to look at Philippians chapter 1 here, and then I'll sit down. I just wanted to show you uh, this particular scripture because it's so important for us to think right. Everybody say, I want to think like God. I want to think like God. Terry's first message he ever preached in his church many, many years ago as a young youth pastor was, think like God, talk like God, you know, live like God, act like God. Uh, Just three categories of things which I think match the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, you know. And uh, the lust of the eyes is I gotta have it. The lust of the flesh, make it simple, I gotta do it, you know. And the pride of life is I gotta have it and do it before you. (laughs) You know, I wanna be the first one on my block, you know, to do that. So we have to work on that imperious, condescending, Uh, the spirit of pride that Proverbs chapter 6 says that God is an abomination, I think, from which all sin comes from. And it is the spirit that overestimates oneself against other other people and puts other people in a a condescending lower position than you. That's in Proverbs 6.16. That God's attitude is that the spirit that overestimates oneself and underestimates others. That's the Amplified Bible. God wants us to live holy and live free from all of those things so that we're not entangled, like Paul said, with the, with the things of the flesh. I don't want to be entangled and tripped up by my own goofy thinking. How about you? I want to be delivered from dumb thoughts, from immature thoughts, from any r- window or door that I've opened that hell can come in and sow something dumb in my head. And I can think right. You know, I was thinking about the praise and worship team, too. I wanted to say this to y'all. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, the tribe of Judah, who was the praise and worship leader, everybody say the tribe of Judah. When's the last time you said that? See, that's Bible vocabulary. you gotta, you got to talk like that. You know, the tribe of Judah were the praise and worshipers in the Old Testament. And, and God's command was, send Judah First. And they were to go out in any battle and lead Israel into battle by their singing and by their praising and by those instruments that they carried with them. And I thought, well, if you're going to be a praise and worship leader in the Old Testament, you've got to be really courageous (laughs) because you're going to see the eyes of the enemy first. And you're just out there with a banjo. You're out there with your little cute self. The Lord is good. That's not going to cut it. You know, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to see yourself as taking charge and assaulting the enemy with praise about who your God is. You know, our God is an awesome God. You know, you nearly yell it at them, you know, and you're out there leading them because they have weapons, you have your little cute voice and your banjo, and you've got to intimidate the enemy by what you're singing. Isn't that awesome? That that makes me so much happier about music when I think about it doing that way, that I'm going to go out there and I'm going to assault hell, and I'm going to give all these other people behind me courage to fight the battle. So, when you go home and you start playing and singing your song while you're vacuuming Amen. and while you're working on the car or mowing the grass, you have to see that your words are going to assault and intimidate hell and make them so afraid of you by your praise and worship Amen. that they will get off your back. Amen. The best thing you can do, one time years ago, I was so upset over something in the church and I was just really intimidated by what was happening and I just felt like I was in fear. And the, I just had a vision of myself dragging out my pots and pans and put them on the counter, and I got a big old metal serving spoon and just beat the fire out of them, praising God. <laughs> you know? I just thought, I'm going to make some noise and run off something. I don't know what it is, but it's got to go, you know? And when you do that, everybody just shout real loud. <laughs> If you'll do that in your house and start practicing that, it'll make you very bold. My mantra for this whole thing has been be loud, be bold, and be proud. Because Paul said, I'm not ashamed. And if the devil can make you ashamed just with your own thoughts, if you, like Proverbs says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And if you can't even stand up under the assault of your own brain... How are you going to do it in McDonald's if a shooter comes in? That's what I'm telling you. You've got to practice this at home. You've got to learn to assault hell. You've got to know, know that noise counts. And you can intimidate them just like they try to make you intimidated and fearful. And you also have to remember, I don't know why I'm doing this for the praise and worship folks, but um, you have to remember you have to stay humble because the only person that ever got thrown out of heaven was the worship leader. You have to remember that it's not a performance. That it's in, in, we're not here to perform for you. We're not here to impress you. We're not here to try to make you think, oh, that, that's the best preacher. Oh, my goodness, they're, they were awesome. They're my favorite. I've never heard that before. That's not what it's about. It's about your life not being overtaken by the assault of hell, either by your own hand or something else out there or somebody else out there. This is life or death. You're going to live forever. And what you do here is going to determine, like Terry said already, life and death is in choosing the church. If your church doesn't teach you about healing, you may die. If your church doesn't teach you about, like Terry's series on, spiritual authority, then you're not going to know how to take authority when you get there. You're just going to show up like everybody else and just case raw. whatever will happen will happen. No, everything we do as Christians is we're on purpose. We 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 are led by the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. You know you you encourage yourself. You assault hell. You make declarative statements all the time. I'm not afraid. I'm not intimidated. I'm full of faith. I have the Word of God. Jesus is Lord over my life. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only. I will not be beneath. The fierceness and the fire of the Holy Ghost has to come out of you to fight the attack of hell. And we live in the most dangerous, complicated age that has ever been on the planet before. So it's going to require much more out of the church. You cannot just go along and get along. You're going to have to be loud, be bold, be proud. Not obnoxious, not weird, not eccentric, not selfish, not arrogant, but bold. Learn to rightly divide. It's not about you. It's about Jesus and helping other people. Amen? Let the Holy Ghost all the time be at work on you to to refine the presentation of who He is through your life. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to sit down here. Uh, After I read this one verse, (laughs) Philippians 1.10, so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best, distinguishing the moral differences. In other words, God doesn't want you living conflicted. That you you have absolute truth. You know the truth. You're not easily swayed into uh, wonderment or consternation or you don't have an answer. The Amplified Bible makes that very clear. That he wants you to be able to learn (laughs) to prize uh, what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, and then leave off the other stuff. You're not obligated, uh, as the scripture says, that God wants you delivered from wicked and unscrupulous people. God doesn't even want you around them, much less trying to convince them. You're just emancipated from those kind of bad people. Don't even have to get involved with them. Isn't that wonderful? There's a whole bunch of lists of people in the Bible that are, I have them I put them on my phone called bad people and god doesn't even want me talking to them he doesn't even want me around them because they have given themselves to the kingdom of darkness and god has me reaching out to those that are hungry they're thirsty that i can influence for the kingdom of god and then it says that you may be untainted how many of you want to be untainted pure, unerring, and blameless, so that with hearts sincere, certain, and unsullied, you may approach the day of Jesus Christ not stumbling. I don't want to stumble. How about you? And I sure don't want to trip over my own two feet. <laughs> or causing others to stumble. Amen? I want my life to be something that ministers to you and others And is representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And while we're here today of your great pastors, Pastor Art and Joanne, that have so faithfully served you, you know, and loved on you and taught you. Uh, You know, when people say good things about them, people say a few through the years might have said not so good things, but they're still here. They haven't been moved by the opposition. They haven't been weak-minded Mentally emotionally fragile <laughs> you know it means we just fight through and we quench every fiery dart of the enemy with the shield of faith isn't that wonderful? see we live we have to live by the things that we preach otherwise we become we disqualify ourselves and we do not in any way represent accurately the strength of the spirit of God that is in us amen hallelujah all right and I want you one, two three. I want you to think about the thing you're believing God for. What do you believe in God for today? What do you believe in God for? Uh, it may be a spiritual thing, like someone's salvation, or it may be a physical tangible material thing it may be favor in some area but I'm going to ask you to shout as loud as you can and just say something by faith or just hallelujah or praise God or I win or Jesus is Lord or something over my situation and I'm on count to three and I want everybody to say something real loud like you're going to fight hell they're out there standing in front of you they're trying to intimidate you they've got swords and shields and weapons and guns and everything else and they're trying to and you're going to have to impress them and intimidate them by what comes out of your mouth right now. Are you ready? (sighs) Sit up straight. Be strong. One, two, three. Yes! Hallelujah. And everybody said? Amen. 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 (laughs) Darling.
0: Father, we thank you for ministering to us by your spirit. I've already talked to you about this morning. I've asked you that I will not speak of myself nor in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit, the greater one that indwells me, rise up big within me now and think through my thoughts, speak through my lips and minister words, words that will get on the inside of us and create faith. For faith comes by hearing the word. As we hear the word this morning, faith will rise in our hearts and faith will rise in this house. Faith will rise in the people watching online, wherever they're at, that the anointing of God fill the room where they are and feel, saturate them, minister to them. And we thank you for it, Father. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise, the majesty, and dominion in Jesus' name, the name heaven's never failed to honor and hell's never failed to tremble at. That we go from this place today with our head up, our shoulders back, realizing we're bigger than we thought we were, better than we thought we were, and can do more than we thought we could do because we're Christians, Christ-like ones, imitators of King Jesus and we have the answers to the world's problems and we thank you for it and give you the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. You know, uh, I said to you when I was here in July and I'll repeat it today that that, uh, that I, I, I hope if anything good could come out of this Scourge of COVID-19 that it would be that the church of Jesus Christ will wake up and realize that they have shut the churches down around the world. And because of that, they have shut missions down around the world. And because of that, people are dying and going to hell. They're dying and going to hell. We we had a crusade scheduled for Pakistan back the first week of May. We were going to have 100,000 people come to that uh, crusade and they're Muslim and they haven't heard about Jesus. They don't know Jesus. And so uh, we were having 1,500 pastors there that we were going to train in the daytime in the word of faith, train them and teach them. And then at night, crusade with 100,000 people with, with, with miracles and signs and wonders and blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, cripples walk, devils cast out, all that. And because we did not get to go, because they shut down Pakistan, because they shut down the world. Because of that, those 100,000 people did not hear the Word of God, did not hear the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, Amen? amen? This gospel, Jesus said, this gospel must be preached, it must be preached, this gospel must be preached, and it's not just any old sermon you preach, it's the gospel, a lot of preachers preach all their lives and don't know what the gospel is because they just take the Bible and just teach some good verses, and that's great and that's wonderful, nothing wrong with that. It's just not the gospel. Paul said the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Amen? So I was going to preach the gospel to those folks in Pakistan, and they were going to hear and receive Jesus and be born again. But because I couldn't go, Renee and I had already committed to rent 600 buses uh, to bring the people to and from uh, the crusade. I mean, 600 buses at $100 apiece rent, which is $60,000 we had already committed to. And, uh, and we couldn't go. So we're scheduled. We tried to schedule it for the following, for this September, which has just come and went, uh, come and gone. And we couldn't do it. We tried to do it for next March. And now we're, now we're trying to schedule it for next September. And, and I've grieved. Brother Henry, I have grieved. I'm excuse me, Brother Ed. I've grieved over the fact that, that those people didn't hear the gospel. And if they die before they do hear the gospel, they'll go to hell. They'll go to hell. Now, a lot of churches in America canceled me too because they had to. They didn't have any choice. And, and that didn't even bother me so bad because churches are Christians. Yeah. You know, if you didn't hear me preach today, well, big deal. No, no big loss. You're a Christian. If you died today, you'd go to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. But see, if those sinners die, they go to hell. And so if there's anything good at all that comes out of this stupid disease... I trust that it's that the church will wake up and say, because of this, we couldn't preach the gospel. Because of this, we couldn't do missions. Because of this, missionaries couldn't go overseas. Because of this, we, we couldn't get the gospel to people and get them saved. Now, of course, we've done a bunch of stuff online and on television. We, we're sending programs to Pakistan and putting them on television stations over there that they reach 82 different nations, and, and we're, we're paying to have us, our voices translated into the Urdu language, and, and you know, we're doing everything we can. You know, I've, I've preached... Uh, five messages for, for, for one place in Mexico City and, and four messages for another place in Mexico City. And, and I've preached for places in, in Peru and in, in Colombia. I mean, I've preached all over the world since this thing happened by online because I'm not going to stop. But it's not the same as just, uh, you know, being there and preaching the gospel. Amen? And so, uh, so I pray that the church wakes up to the fact that we, we, we folded like a cheap suit. I mean, when they said shut down, we said right away. Now, we finally woke up and said, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. You said it was going to be two weeks. It's been months. We're not playing that. And so uh, most of us, a lot of us have come back. A lot of us haven't come back and a lot never will. Because it's amazing what fear will do to people. And I've told you before and I'll tell you again to my dying day that fear and faith don't live in the same house. You can't operate in fear and operate in faith. Amen. So let me minister to you this morning. We've, it's already 10 minutes till 12. So, so uh, is that is that possibly true? My, my, my. Well, I'm not going to quit at 12. I'm going to take more than 10 minutes. Is that all right? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me, uh, let me minister to you this morning. Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 16. Jesus is preaching here he's speaking here and uh, in Luke chapter 16 he actually tells a story that's a true story, everybody say true story it's a true story, it, a true story. Uh, sometimes the Bible Jesus, in the Bible Jesus would do what they call parables and sometimes he'd do a metaphor sometimes he'd do an analogy you know, sometimes he'd say well the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl that was buried in a field and a guy found it you know the pearl of great price." Or he'll say, the, uh, the kingdom of heaven, is, faith is like a grain of mustard seed. You know, he, he'd give comparison. He, and those were, those were parables and, and, and analogies and things like that. But this story he's telling in Luke chapter 19 is not a parable. It's not an analogy. It, it's a true story about two men. And we know that they're true stories because any time the Bible says, anytime the Bible uses the word certain, then you know they're talking about a real person. And Jesus said, there was a certain rich man. That means he really, he really was a particular man, a real man. And then he says, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. He even tells you his name. So this is a true story, but it's a horrible story. It's a terrible story. It, it, it's, a, it's a terror and terrorizing and blood-curdling and hair-raising, horrible, awful story that I wish wasn't true, but it is true. It's a bigger horror story than anything Hollywood could dream up. Anything that Stephen King could possibly imagine. This is worse. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible story. But it's true. Jesus said there was a certain rich man. Starting at verse 19. Luke 16, 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table and moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was what? Buried. He was buried. Now, the rich man went to hell and the beggar went to heaven. And I want to just clarify this for you because some people have misunderstood this. Even some preachers have mis- missed it here. The rich man didn't go to hell because he's rich. Right. The beggar didn't go to heaven because he's a beggar. No. See, so don't, don't, don't let those things bug you. They just happened to be the two guys Jesus was talking about. and One of them was a rich guy and one of them was a poor guy and, and they're the ones that Jesus was using as the example here telling their story that one went to heaven and one went to hell. But being rich or being poor, being a beggar had nothing to do with either one of them, all right? So it says, the rich man also died and was buried, Jesus said, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. And seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am, what? Tormented. I am tormented in this flame. You see, a lot of people tell you, now, Brother Terry, the hell's not real. Jesus said it was. Brother Terry, hell's not really hot. There's really not fires there. Jesus said there was. There is. Jesus said he was in flames. And he was in flames when this was written 2,000 years ago when Jesus was talking about it. That same rich man is still in hell today, still in those flames and still thirsty. And will be for eternity. That's what we need to understand about, about, the, 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 about life is that you're going to live Forever. Everybody that's ever been born on this planet, ever, 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 ever been born on this planet, is still alive today. Either in hell without God, or in heaven with God, and they'll be alive for eternity, forever and ever 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 and ever. And ever. Amen. When, the, when, when, when Nero, who is a demented ruler of Rome, uh, murdered the Apostle Paul and cut his head off, cut Paul's head off for preaching Jesus, he went to hell and slapped himself and said, you dummy, you murdered the Apostle Paul. Well, that was 2,000 years ago, but today he's still in hell, still saying, you dummy, you murdered the Apostle Paul. And (laughs) for eternity, he's gonna be saying, you dummy, you murdered the Apostle Paul. You could have lived in heaven, but you murdered Paul and rejected his message. You live forever. Yeah, right. And every baby, every precious, sweet, wonderful, tiny little baby that's born on this planet has a destiny or a date or a future with hell. That wasn't God's plan, but Adam caused that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adam sold E to this thing out to the devil. So now everybody born on the planet, their destiny is hell. Their future is hell. They have a date with hell unless somebody, some Christian interrupts them on their way to hell and says, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. That's why we are the interrupters. Your job on planet Earth is to be an interrupter. Now, there's a demon called political correctness that tells you don't you ever interrupt anybody. Don't you tell a Buddhist that Buddha is not the way to heaven. You might offend them. Well, they're going to be a lot more offended for eternity in hell. In hell, they're going to be saying for eternity, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't my friend tell me? Why didn't that person I was talking to tell? Why didn't they tell me? See, when I'm in Muslim lands or Hindu lands or atheist lands or Shintoist lands or Buddhist lands, whatever place I'm in around the world, I cry over that and say, oh, God. Oh, God, I don't want them to go to hell. Oh, God, please don't let them go to hell. Oh, God, I wish their religion would work. Hindus have 330 million gods. I wish they'd work. I really do. I'm a missionary. I don't want anybody to go to hell. But Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the resurrection, I am the door. No man comes to the Father but by me. I wish he hadn't said that. But he did say it. I wish he'd have said, oh, there's many paths to God. That's what people tell you today. Oh, there's many paths to God. They took a survey about five or six years ago, and and of young people in America, 85% said they believe there's many paths to God. USA Today has said numbers of times over the years that Oprah Winfrey is the pastor of America, the spiritual leader, the guru of America. Well, I'm sure she's a nice lady. I don't know her. I'm not God. I'm not her judge. Uh, And I'm sure she helps a lot of people and does a lot of nice things, but she's not my pastor. I'm not going to listen to her about spiritual things. In fact, I've heard her sermon. Some of y'all have heard her sermon. She says, you just serve any deity you want to serve, and you'll be okay. That'll send you to hell. That's a bad sermon. And that'll take you to hell. That's not interrupting somebody and saying, you can't do that. See, what the world wants to say is, I can do as I please. You can do as you please. However you feel, however your emotions are, however you feel, it's okay. No, you'll go to hell. People tell tell pastors, pastor, don't preach on sin. That offends me. They want to live like a pig and be blessed like a sheep. (laughs) And I wish that worked for you. I really do. It just won't. Because I've read the Bible. And Jesus said, remember Jesus? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection. I am the door. No man, no man, no man, no man comes to the Father but by me. And Jesus is telling this horrible, horrible, horrible story. And he said, So in hell, in hell, the rich man lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and saw Lazarus the beggar sitting in his bosom and said father have mercy on me and send send that old beggar that I despised when I was on earth send I wouldn't give him a crumb from my table send him to just dip his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame so you can see why the church is here right you can see why you're here we're interrupters we're interrupters and Abraham said, "Son, remember thou in thy lifetime receive thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented." Second time he uses that word. Third time he used that word. Tormented. Do you know it's the first time he used it? He used it as a plural. He said torments. A lot of torments in hell. When he said in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torments, plural. Being in torments, plural. And then he said, I'm tormented in this flame. And then Abraham said, y- he- you are now tormented. Third time he uses that word. That's a bad place. Hell's a bad place. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. So they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither they pass to us that would come from thence. Now listen to, what the, well, listen to what the guy in hell said about this. You get real smart when you get to hell. You get smarter. You get smarter in heaven, you get smarter in hell because you realize truth. Yeah. Yeah. You, don't hear, you don't have all that nonsense on earth that people just say, oh, I'll do this, I'll do that. Oh, I like it this way. Well, here's how God deals with me. Well, here's what God, no, the Bible's the Bible for everybody. I've had people come to me over the years, Brother they'd say, now Brother Tenet, here's how God deals with me. I said, no, he doesn't. He deals with everybody the same. He said, there's the word, do it. You don't get a special dispensation. (laughs) You don't get a special deal. I'm going to cut you a deal. We got 20% off today. Everybody else gets 10 commandments. You only get four. Nope, doesn't work that way. So listen to what the rich man said. He said, Then I pray thee, therefore, Father, that you would send him, send the beggar, to my father's house, back on earth, to my father's house, For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. He didn't want his brothers to come there. He didn't want his brothers to come there. Now see, we've grown up watching cartoons, and your kids and your grandkids watch these cartoons. And then we watch these movies that Hollywood puts out. and, and, And they make it act like that hell's a party. Everybody in hell's having fun, man. I mean, the guys that are womanizers, they're just down there chasing skirts all day long. You know, the guys that were drinkers, they're just drinking all day long. The guys that were this, they're just doing it all day long. No, 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 no. There's no party in hell. They always act like that people are there and want people to join them and just join the fun. But nobody in hell wants you to come. Nobody in hell wants anybody else to come there. And he said, please, Father Abraham, send that beggar. To my father's house because I've got five brothers. That he may testify to them. He knew what needed to be done. He knew that somebody needs to testify to them. What I want to know is who's going to do it. Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Are you going to be the interrupter? Are you going to be the testifier? Are Are you going to be the one that tells them? That they don't have to go to hell? Because they will go to hell if somebody didn't interrupt them. And he said, unless they also come to this horrible, awful place of torment. And Abraham said, well, they've got Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. They've got the church and the word, let them hear them. No, Father Abraham, but if one went to them from the dead, they will, what? Repent. He knew what needed to be done. They needed somebody to testify to them, so they'd repent. That's That's all that needs to be done, testify to them so they can repent, so they won't come to this horrible place. And he said, no, if they won't hear the church and the word, they won't hear Moses and the prophets, neither would they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead now notice something about this guy in hell we, we we've been kind of trained and taught all our life by hollywood and by tv and cartoons and hopefully not church but that but that when you go to hell or when you go to heaven it's really not you you're just some kind of little gaseous vapor floating through eternity you know and and it's really not you and nobody no 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 this is that guy and that you don't know anything and that you're not, you're not cognizant. No, no, no. This guy had his vision. He saw Abraham. He saw the beggar. He had his voice. He talked to them. He had feelings. He was hot. He was thirsty. He was tormented. He had his will. That I don't want anybody else to come here. He had concern for people. Please don't let them come here. Isn't that awful? That's horrible. Do you ever notice in Hollywood nobody ever goes to hell? I mean, seriously, you just watch the news. I mean, somebody famous dies, celebrity dies, movie star dies, singer dies, somebody important dies or, or, or rich dies or famous dies and all of a sudden, everybody, they stick a microphone in front of their face. Everybody says, oh, they're looking down at us. That's right. They're all in heaven. Nobody goes to hell. Oh, they're looking down at us today. I remember decades ago when old Frank Sinatra died. Now, I didn't know Frank, no blue eyes. You know, I enjoyed his music, still do. Uh, didn't know him, not God, not his judge. Don't know if he's in heaven or hell. I hope he's in heaven. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I'm a missionary. But I remember when he died, some reporter went up and just shoved a microphone in front of some, one of his famous friends' face and said, what do you think about, you know, old Frank? And he said, well, wherever old Frank is right now, he's the life of the party. And he's hosting a Jack Daniels. And I sat there and watched that and I thought, buddy, I don't know where Frank is. Heaven or hell. He only got two choices, heaven or hell. I said, but but wherever he is, he's not the life of the party. Because if he's in heaven, I hope, I hope he's in heaven. If he's in heaven, Jesus is the life of the party. Frank's enjoying the party, but he's not the life of the party. And if he's in hell, there's not a party. There's torments. And wherever he is, either place, he's not hosting a Jack Daniels. But it's just amazing how they think. See, you don't get to go to heaven just because you're famous or just because you're rich or just because you're the beautiful people. Amen? I was preaching in Ukraine when Michael Jackson died. And uh, it came on the news in, in Ukraine. And it said, uh, Michael Jackson, King of Pops, dead. And, and I started listening over the next two or three days. All these people talking about how Michael's a saint and Michael's wonderful and Michael's in heaven. And maybe he is in heaven. I don't know. He's a judge. I didn't know him. But I just know a couple of weeks before that, the news was telling me that he was a pervert and a child molester. And, they had, and everybody in Hollywood hated him. And he's getting out of a limousine to go into a courthouse where he's being charged with stuff, getting his pajamas. And they thought he's nuts. But now all of a sudden, because he's dead, he's a saint. And I even remember watching his funeral. I was sitting in Ukraine uh, and uh, watching his funeral on TV. And, uh, and they had all these people get up and talk about how Michael's in heaven and Michael's great and Michael's wonderful. And then this dumb little old actress by the name of Brooke Shields stood up and she said, uh, And she said, Today, Michael's sitting on a crescent moon, smiling down at us. And I'm yelling at her in Ukraine. I'm in Ukraine. I said, what? What? Now we believe in the man and the moon? I don't know where Michael is. I hope to God he's in heaven. I hope he's not in hell. But I know he's not on the crescent moon. It's just nuts what people think. But I'll tell you something else really quick because I'm, I'm, I'm out of time or running out of time. I only had two, two enemies my whole life. It's the clock and the calendar. And they're always marching, 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 marching. But uh, I'll tell you this. Anytime someone dies, listen to me real close, it'll help you. This will help you in soul winning. When someone dies that, that everybody in town knows about it, it may be a local policeman, maybe a fireman, maybe a, a, a politician, the mayor, may, maybe a celebrity like Michael Jackson, or I remember when I was here in Hollywood, in California preaching. Uh, in fact, I think for art when, when Whitney Houston died. I mean, I, I remember all these different people dying in Hollywood, and, 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 and everybody knows it. And, and maybe you're in the coffee shop or maybe you're having lunch and, and the server comes over and, and uh, everybody knows whoever it is died, the policeman, the fireman, the celebrity, the, the, the pop singer, whoever it is. And everybody's talking about it. And so when they come to your table, all you have to do is what I do. I say, isn't that awful that that policeman got killed? And they'll immediately say, oh, yeah, everybody's talking about that. Or isn't it terrible that Michael Jackson died or Whitney Houston died or Frank Sinatra died or Princess Di died or whoever is famous that everybody knows it and they'll say oh yeah that's just terrible. And then I just follow that up and say well did you ever think about what happens when you die? You know we're all going to die. Do you ever give much thought young lady to spiritual things? You ever think about spiritual things? Well yeah sometimes. You know what? what's going to happen to you when you die? I ask myself, what's going to happen to me when I die? I mean, if you're standing at the pearly gates in St. Peter said, why should I let you in here? Well, what would you tell him? It's so easy to win souls when somebody famous dies. Mm-hmm. See, when somebody dies, everybody gets spiritual minded like those Hollywood folks. Go out to a cemetery sometime and just look around. It's the most spiritual place on the planet. There's a tombstone with an angel on it. There's a tombstone with a cross on it. There's a tombstone with a, with a dove on it. There's a tombstone with a lamb on it. I, I mean, man, they all spiritual. I went out to the cemetery the other day with somebody to, to, you know, to visit their family's gravesite and put some flowers on it. And, and they were buried in it. It was called the Garden of the Apostles. That sounds spiritual, doesn't it? What section are you buried in? I'm buried in the Garden of the Apostles. But everybody's just spiritual-minded when you die, so that's a marvelous time to win souls, to talk to them about Jesus. You know, Hilton Sutton, y'all, y'all know who Hilton Sutton was? Hilton Sutton was a great friend of mine and a prophet of God. And, and uh, Hilton had buried his wife, Joanne. He had buried his daughter, Lisa. And, uh, and then back in 2004, I had a 29-year-old son that was killed in a car crash. And, uh, and obviously, I was eyes hurting. In fact, here it is 16 years later, and every now and then, a tear leaks out of my eye and rolls down my cheek. Uh, but, uh, but Hilton called me, and he said, Terry, he said, a cemetery is the most peaceful place on the planet. And I said, what? I said, it seems like a place of heartache and heartbreak to me. And he said, no, 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 it's the most peaceful place. He said, I put a bench at my, my wife's grave and a bench at my daughter's grave where I can just sit down. And he said, he said, every time I go to the seminary, I just walk in there and I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. And I just sit down and talk to the Holy Spirit. Don't talk to my daughter or my wife because they're not there. They're in heaven. But, but, but I, I talk to the Holy Spirit because he said, he said one day the trumpet's going to sound. And God's going to say, come. And the Holy Spirit's job, according to the Bible, is to pull out every dead Christian, the dead in Christ, have to rise When? First. He said, so the Holy Spirit doesn't know when that day is. And he doesn't know when that horn's going to blow. So he just hovers over the grave of every Christian. He hovers there all the time. Because God may say, now. God may say, come. And he said, he's got to get every dead Christian up first. And then get the rest of us. And he said, so he's always there at the cemetery. He said, so I just walk in and sit down on my bench and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Isn't that sweet? What we have here, people, what we have in Luke chapter 19, excuse me, Luke chapter 16, starting at verse 19, what we have is a missionary call from hell. A man in hell, Sue, is saying, please don't let anybody else come here. Please be an interrupter. Please go interrupt them. Please go stop them. Please go tell them about Jesus. It's a missionary call from hell. Then look at Acts chapter 16. Starting at verse 9. In a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A vision appeared to Paul, the apostle Paul, in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia who prayed to him saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul saw this man from Macedonia. Saying, please come over here and help us in Macedonia. Now, Macedonia is a province. They had provinces back then, like California's a state, Texas is a state. Well, Macedonia was a province. And Philippi was a city in the province of Macedonia, just like Placentia, California. Okay? And most Bible scholars believe, it may not be true, we'll ask him when we get to heaven. And find out the truth. But most Bible scholars believe that the guy Paul saw in that vision. Was the Macedonian jailer. Because when Paul went to Macedonian priests. They beat him up and put him in jail. Right? And then God did an earthquake to get him out of jail. And so the prison was loose. The prisoners were loose. And so the jailer was going to kill himself. And Paul said don't do yourself any harm. We're still here. And so then they went and started a church. Which became the church of Philippi. And most Bible scholars, again, we don't know if this is true or not. We'll ask him when we get to heaven. But most Bible scholars feel that that jailer became the pastor of that church. Amen? Doesn't matter if he did or not, but there was a pastor of the church. (laughs) There was a church at Philippi, and they did become Paul's missionary partners. Amen? But my point is, we have Paul asleep, and he has this vision from a man from another country saying, please come over here and help us. And the Bible says, and and immediately the next morning we departed. I tell you, Paul had a vision at midnight and left at 6 a.m. Because he had told us in Romans, I am ready. I am ready. He stayed ready. See, the church today, if God told a lot of Christians today to go to the mission fields, they couldn't leave for 10 years. They'd say, Well, I got a cow and I got a horse and I got a wife and I got a kid and I got I got college to pay off and I got a car to pay off and I got a house to pay off and I I can't go, I can't go, I can't go, I can't go. But Paul had a vision at midnight and left at 6 a.m. He was ready. And we need to get ready. Remember in Romans chapter 1, Paul made those three powerful statements. He said, I'm a debtor, I owe the gospel to them that are at Rome also. And then he said, As much as in me is, I am ready. I am ready. I am ready. And then he said, For I'm not ashamed. Of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. The church needs to have those, those three points imprinted in their heart, saying, I, I, I'm in debt, I owe the gospel of the world. I am ready, I am ready, I am ready, and I'm not ashamed. Amen. 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 And so Paul immediately went to Macedonia and to Philippi and began to preach the gospel. See, that the, the heathen cannot help themselves. They know they're not saved, but they don't know how to get saved. They know they're in trouble, but they don't know how to get out of trouble. They need a Christian. They need you. You. They need you. They need an interrupter. They need somebody that'll come tell them, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Amen. And so what we have here in, Luke chapter six, excuse me, in Acts chapter 16 is we have a missionary call from the heathen. So a missionary call from hell and a missionary call from the heathen. Then we have a third missionary call, a missionary call from heaven. Jesus comes, and five times he gives us what we call the Great Commission. Five times he gives it to us. Matthew 28, starting in verse... 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. That's the great commission in Matthew. Mark 16, starting at verse 15, He said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now listen to this. But he that believeth not shall be, what? Damned. Damned to where? Hell. For how long? Eternity. That's a powerful statement. Luke 24, 47. The Great Commission in Luke. Dr. Luke was a medical doctor and he was not present. Uh, He didn't know Jesus personally. He came later. And so he interviewed the other disciples and then wrote the book of Luke based on the interviews that he took. And then he wrote the book of Acts based on his own fact of being there. But uh, he wrote in Luke 24, 47, he said, That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name, Jesus' name, among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's the Great Commission. In Luke. And then the great commission in John. John 20, 21 and 23. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father sent me, even so send I you. There's the great commission. He's sending you, just like Jesus God sent him. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. And who, Now listen, verse 23. Whoever sins you remit, they're remitted to them. And whoever sins you retain, they are Retain the Great Commission in John. And then Acts chapter 1, but ye shall receive power, verse 8, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in the Jewish world and the Gentile world, or both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. The Great Commission. In Acts. Five times Jesus gives us the Great Commission. Five times. So we have a we have a missionary call from hell. Please don't let anybody else come to this place of torment. We have a missionary call from the heathen saying, please come over here. Come to, Brother Terry, come to Pakistan and get us saved. We, we don't know Jesus. We're lost. We don't know how to come to God. Please come over here and help us. Please come help us. And then we have a missionary call from heaven saying, go to the whole world and preach the gospel. Get them saved. Don't let them go to hell. Now I want to make one little disclaimer here to try to help you because the church has gotten really messed up in the last about 30 years or so. Throughout history, from the time Jesus said these words till about 30 years ago, If you were to go to any Christian of any denomination, if you were to go to a Catholic, go to a Baptist, go to a Methodist, go to Church of Christ, go to Pentecostal, go to Assembly of God, go to Full Gospel, go to Word of Faith, you go to any Christian of any stripe for all those years, centuries, and say, what's the Great Commission? They'd all tell you the same thing. I mean, a Catholic would tell you, a Pentecostal would tell you, a Baptist would tell you, a Methodist would tell you. They'd say, it's going to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, get people saved, win people to Jesus, rescue them from hell. Anybody would have told you that for all those years. But all of a sudden, about 30 years ago, somebody looked in the concordance. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with concordances. (laughs) I actually use one once in a while, not very often. I actually use one once in a while. But the problem with a concordance, and if you're a concordance user, let me tell you what your problem is. When you look in a concordance at a Greek word or a Hebrew word, depending on if it's Old Testament or New Testament, and you look up the word and see what it was in the original language, the problem with the concordance is they may give you 15 or 20 definitions. And you being a human, it's human nature to go down the list until you find the one you like. May not be the right one, but it's the one you like. May not be what they meant in the scripture, but it's the one you like. It fits your sermon, it fits your belief. Well, one of the te- one, well, they looked at that word in Matthew, where Jesus said, "Go into all the world and teach." So they looked up that word, "teach," and they found where it said, "Make disciples." So they got married to that, and now they tell everybody. And now, if you go anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, I don't care who. and say, what's the Great Commission? They'll tell you, make disciples. That's an abomination. I think it's a sin. Because it stops you from soul winning. And it turns you from the lost to the Christian and say, Let me, so I'm going to make a disciple out of Sue. I'm going to teach her to be just like me. I'm going to teach her the Word. And I'm going to teach her a little Greek, a little Hebrew. and, and I'm gonna, She's going to be my disciple. No, 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 no. You're not even supposed to have a disciple. What you're supposed to be doing is winning souls. Now, if you had to continue down the list of the many definitions, another definition says make Christians. Go into all the world and make Christians. Well, hey, that actually fits the other four places. Remember how the Bible says it must be established out of the mouths of two or three. It needs to be in agreement. Well, if you just say make disciples, then that disagrees Matthew. You've got Matthew disagreeing with Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Because with Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, it's very plain that he's talking about winning souls and talking about sinners. Because when he says in Mark 15, uh, Mark 16, starting in verse 15, going to all the world preach the gospel to every creature that believes baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. He's talking about sinners and Christians. He's talking about repentance. He's not talking about teaching Christians. See, make disciples means you're teaching Christians. So you leave, teach, you leave reaching the lost and start teaching the taught. Now, there's nothing wrong with teaching the taught. I'm doing that today. Nothing wrong with making disciples. I hope I'm making a few today for Jesus, not for me. But I don't confuse that with the Great Commission. I don't confuse that with missions. I wouldn't tell somebody, hey, I was on a mission trip today preaching for Art Aragon. No, 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 no. I'm teaching in the church today at the invitation of a great pastor and a great friend. In this great church. In fact, if I lived in this area, this is where Renee and I would go to church. We believe in this church and believe in, in your pastor and, uh, and, and Sister Joanne. But it teaches you when you get on that make disciples kick, it teaches you to forget reaching the lost. Let's just teach the talk. Let's make some disciples. And so most people that are out here hard trying to be a good Christian and make a disciple or two, they've never won a soul. And don't intend to because they don't think that's what the Bible says. And yet that's what Jesus said explicitly in the other four. When he said that they believe not, they shall be damned. He's talking about getting them saved. And then in Luke, when he says that, listen to these two words, repentance and remission of sins. Luke said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in all the world, beginning at Jerusalem. He's talking very definitely about you winning sinners to Jesus. He's not talking about teaching Christians. He's talking about reaching the lost. And then in John he says very plainly as my father sends me even so send I you and whoever sends you remit they'll be remitted and whoever sends you retain, they'll be retained. He's very plainly talking about you winning the lost. Sinners to Jesus. And then Acts 1.8 going to all the, go all over the world and be a witness for me. You shall receive power when you receive the Holy Ghost and be a witness to me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Get the gospel to the world. There's nothing wrong with teaching the taught and nothing wrong with making disciples, but that's not missions and that's not the Great Commission and the church as a whole is missing it terribly and have missed it for about the last 30 years. The church is going to be held accountable because of it. Not an amen anywhere. Does that make sense to you? Yes, and We need to understand he's talking about winning the lost, winning souls, preaching the gospel. Amen. Amen? So we have a missionary call from hell. We have a missionary call from the heathen. And we have a missionary call from heaven that we, the church, must, M-U-S-T, we must be missions-minded, that we're all missionaries. Every believer is a missionary, either a, either a goer, one who goes, I mean, you go with me, we'll eat monkey liver and fish eyeballs and worms and cat and dog and rat and all the stuff I eat around the world, or you're, a, or you're a sender. You're either a goer or a sender. You know, your pastor's so honorable. He's told me for so many years, Brother Art. He said, you know, he said, I go to a lot of foreign countries. I go to a lot of places and have all my ministry years. uh been all over the world preaching. But he said, I never think I'm a missionary. He said, I know I'm a sender. He said, I'm a pastor. I know what my calling is, know what my office is. Well, that's such an honorable thing. But he said, I know that I'm not a missionary, even though I go on missionary trips. He said, I, I I'm I'm a sender. I, I send missionaries. I, I support missionaries. He's a partner, this church partners with us as well as other great missionaries. And uh, and so we, we need to understand that we're all either goers or senders, or both. Renee and I get to be both. We support a lot of missionaries financially, plus we go all over the world. But uh, we, we get to be both, goers and sinners. But you are a missionary. You can't opt out of the system and say, well, I'm not going to play missions. Oh, yes, you are. Whether you like it or not, God holds you accountable for missions. Because we have a missionary call from heaven, a missionary call from the heathen, and then that horrible missionary call from hell. Please don't let anybody else come here. Amen. Did you get anything out of all that? Well, it's, it's 1220. 12.27, so I, I'm uh, pushing the clock here. Stand up with me if you would please. Father, I pray this word goes into our heart today, into our spirit today. Holy Spirit, I've already asked you before I ever came into the service, praying for this service before we came on the trip and after we got here, and then the, again this morning in the hotel room, that Holy Spirit, I ask you to do those three things that I always ask you. I ask you to turn on the light. When I walk in to preach, turn on the light. Cause people to see what I'm saying is true. Cause people to see the word I'm preaching is true. Turn on the light. Then Holy Spirit, I've asked you to do the second thing, and that's to prick our hearts. Just like you did on the day of Pentecost. It tells us in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up and preached, it says that you pricked the people's hearts. You pricked their hearts. Just like you'd prick a hand with a pen. You prick their hearts. And 3,000 people got saved. I believe you to prick our hearts today and become missionaries. Missions givers, missions senders, missions prayers, missions goers. Thank you, Father, that we're interrupters. That we're here to interrupt the people that are going to hell and rescue them from going to hell. And then I ask you to do that third thing. And that's to move on our will. Move on our will. You don't change our will. You don't do that, but you do move on our will. Move on our will to where we sit here and we say, that's the word. I'm going to do that. I will do that. I will. I will. I will. I will do that. I will pray for missions. I will be involved in missions. When pastor stands up and says, I've got a missions project, I'll say, pastor, you can count on me. I will. You can count on me in missions praying, missions giving, missions going, missions anything else you want, because we see the word today. We, the light is turned on. And our heart is pricked. And we, you've moved on our will, Holy Spirit, to where we will. And Father, I thank you for that. I pray that you write every word of this message on our heart, that we, we remember every day that there's a missionary call from hell, that there's a missionary call from the heathen because they can't help themselves, and a missionary call from heaven where God has said, Jesus has said, go to the world and preach the gospel and rescue people. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for every person watching online or every person here in the house for healing. I curse sickness and disease and fever and infection in the name of Jesus. I curse COVID-19 and however many other numbers they want to add to it. By almighty God in the name of Jesus. For your word says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So I speak death to cancer. Death to HIV and AIDS. Death to lupus and leukemia. Death to COVID-19. Death to disease. That our bodies are disease free. That no disease will live in our body. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my healer, is my God. So my God is my healer, and my healer is my God. And so I speak healing, healing, restoration, deliverance, miracles, signs, wonders, creative miracles. In the name of Jesus. And I speak life as the power of life and death is in the tongue. I speak life to the people of God. The Zoe life of God. Live and not die. And declare the works of the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And everybody said? Amen, 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 amen. amen. Praise the Lord. God really just spoke to my heart about signs and wonders. The church doesn't understand signs and wonders anymore today. Uh, we hardly understand healings and miracles, but at least we're familiar with it. But you know, Brother Hagan used to always say, God, God does a sign, and a sign will make you wonder. Mm-hmm. Because there's no explanation for it, it's a wonder. It's like, it's like what? You just scratch your head and say, what? And I'll tell you, it's real fast, real, real quick testimony. Way back, way back in, the, in, the, in the 50s, I was born in 50, and this, was, this young man was born a little bit before I was. He was older than me. He's dead now in heaven. But a little boy by the name of Ronnie Cohen, you can Google him. I think it spells it's the Jewish name. I think it's C-O-H-E-N, Cohen. But uh, he had a, 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 an eye disease. And as a boy, they took him to the hospital, and the doctors did everything they could, and finally said, we've got to take his eye out. We've got to do surgery and remove his, remove his eyeball. And so they did. They did surgery and removed his eyeball. And so he just has a hole in his hair, just a socket, just, but, but nothing else. And so to help his feelings and his appearance and his looks, they made him a, a glass eyeball or a prosthetic, you know, and uh, they're much better today than they were back in, in the 50s, but still he had a prosthetic eye that he, he would pop out and put in his pocket and when it was bugging him, and then he'd put it back in if he had to go in somewhere, and then sometimes you wore an eye patch, but, but you know. And so, so as a little boy, <clears throat> excuse me, He went to church one night, and the pastor's wife, her name was Sister Daisy Gillock. Now, Daisy Gillock was T.L. Osborne's sister. His wife was named Daisy, but his sister was also named Daisy. And so Sister Daisy Osborne, his sister, married a pastor by the name of Gillock. And so it was Daisy Gillock. And so, so Ronnie was in the service one night, and uh, Sister Gillock called for prayer. And so he went up in the prayer line, not thinking about his eye. He had, he had done away with that, forgot about that, and just don't even think about it anymore. And see, that's what God pricked in my heart as I was praying for Hallelujah. healing a while ago. That some of you have some things wrong with you. Maybe some of you watching me online, maybe some of you here in the house. Some of you have some things wrong with you you don't think about anymore. You, you've, you've dismissed it like, well, that's, that's the way it is. I, I'll live with it forever. There's no, there's no help for that, no healing for that, no no hope for that. I, I've learned to live with it. I understand. And I've had a lot of people tell me that over there. I understand. I've learned to live with that. Well, he had learned to live with that. He didn't even think about his eye. But he had something else wrong with him. I don't remember if he had a cold or, he, you know, the flu. Something was wrong with him. Uh, and so he went up in the prayer line for that. And she didn't know about his eye. She didn't know anything about his eye. And so when she got to him in the prayer line, he came for something else, and he told her what it was, and when she started to pray for him, she said, you know, there's something wrong with your eyes. She just laid her hands on his, like that. And God did a sign, Mm. and a wonder. And God made him see out of that hole. Now, he could put the prosthetic in, and see out of it. He could pop the prosthetic out, and have nothing but a hole, and see out of it. Y'all go Google it, because, I mean, he was on TV and a lot of programs for many years. I remember ABC used to have a show back in the, what, 60s or 70s called That's Incredible. I remember him being on there. I remember him being on a number of different shows. And, and they would bring him in, and they would tape up his good eye. I mean, they'd just tape it all up and put all kinds of stuff on it so he couldn't see out of it. And then they'd hold something up in front of him, like a driver's license or something, up in front of his eye. Whether he had the prosthetic in or whether he had it out, it made a difference. They'd hold it up in front of him. He could just read it. And these doctors would come examine him, and they'd give him their credentials, and he'd just, he'd just read it out of that hole in his head. And see, that was a sign. That wasn't a healing, and it wasn't a miracle. It was a sign which made people wonder, because everybody had to say, there is no explanation but God. This kid is seeing through a rock, through a piece of glass, or he's seeing through a hole in his head. There's nothing there but an eye socket, and he's still reading Driver's license and addresses, and whatever else you gave him, you, the Bible, whatever you gave him, he'd just read it. That's a sign. Thank you, Lord. And it makes you scratch your head and wonder. But I don't know, I, I just I felt that whenever I was Amen. praying. Thank you, Lord. I don't know if you're in the house or if you're watching on, but, but don't give up. That's right. Don't give God up. has healings, God has miracles, God has deliverances, God has signs, and God has wonders. And you're eligible for any of them. Praise the Lord. Brother Ed, come rescue these folks. I've been going a long time. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.